This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Offerman and Jacob Recht with you here on the Steelers Standard. We've talked a ton of Big Ben, but there is some stuff we got to talk about in regards to your Pittsburgh Steelers as well. It might seem that way right now, but the franchise does still exist post number seven. And this is a franchise that went 9-7-1 and one last year and found themselves in the playoffs. So it's not exactly like we're just going to do Big Ben nostalgia for 365 days because there's no hope. Come there's on, some hope. we can do well, oh, it. There's more Big Ben nostalgia coming in the coming weeks on the Big Ben standard. But there's still some hope for this team that they can have a quick jump start, I think, next year. And there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of variables that need to be filled out before we get to that point. Mm-hmm. But I look at 9-7-1, and one, I look at making the playoffs, and I look at the fact that seven teams make it again next year. I don't think it's that far-fetched to say, oh, this team can turn itself around relatively quickly. So although it seems very dark, and in a lot of ways it is, because Ben Roethlisberger is no more, there is still a lot to work with as far as maybe scratching your way to another 9-8 and eight or 10-7. and seven. And grabbing a wild card again, and you know what? I don't Tom? think you're going to get the division for a long, long no. time. But you're not going to get can, the division for another 18 years. But maybe you can claw your way towards wild cards. But you know what? The Bengals won the division every now and again. It, you, you, we had talked about true. this on an episode a couple of weeks ago. That's true. The Steelers have since Ben has come in. The Steelers have won the division eight times. The most times, Bengals and Ravens have split. Time, yeah. I would never, ever, ever have guessed that. Dirty little secret. Now that they're in the Super Bowl, the Bengals are as almost as decent of an organization as the Ravens. They just since the, since the Harbaugh era. The yeah. difference is the Ravens never bought them out, and the Bengals always bought them out. But well, look at they how they bought them now. Look at how long... it's gotten them now. Well, did they always? They had Carson Palmer. Well, right. they were they were really good in the nineties, right? Against they would go to they went to the late eighties to the nineties, right? They bought them out then in the late nineties. They got Carson Palmer. They're good. Really good. Bought him out. Don't really bought like bought him out for like one year. Get Andy Dalton. They make they put the wrong quarterback there, but he but was he's decent a guy, enough. He's the guy that gets into the playoffs in his rookie year. Did you know the Bengals made the playoffs every year for the first five or six years that he was on that team? Dude, that's what I'm saying. Like they're it's a dirty little secret that they somehow get lumped in with the Browns and the Jets and those franchises, but they're, but they're not. Better. They're in the middle Far of the more, NFL, and I, now they're up towards the top. Well, now they are the top. Ooh. Well, top 10 at least, for sure. They are. If if they win the Super Bowl— Well, you know what? Very matter-of-factly, right now they're top two. So. <laughs> if they win the Super Bowl— They're the standard now. I mean, younger quarterback than Burrow, younger wide receiver than Hill. they got to get a tight end, but— I like Uzama—I mean— He's no Kelsey, but— and he's hurt. Yeah, he gets hurt a lot. Well, I think he's done. He's not going to be able not to make play. It to the Super Bowl. I don't think so. That's a big. Well, problem. you saw him got carted off. Yeah, but I did also see him in the locker room smoking cigars after the game, well, and celebrating. So I, I could be on my deathbed. Give me one of those stogies. <laughs> like, having, like, having, like cardiac surgery. arrest. Your heart is open on the table, and you're yeah. like, "Give me a stogie, baby. <laughs> We're going to the Super Bowl." Open heart surgery. I'm but yeah, still that taking a hit. Division's going to be a bear. No question about mm-hmm. it. Ravens still have talent, and maybe the Browns get a different quarterback and figure it out. But the Steelers, you I can still... sneak your way in there a couple of times. And you know what is going for them too is that there is familiarity. Tomlin has to figure out how how to handle Burrow. That's for sure. But 
He knows how to beat the Browns. He knows how to beat the Ravens, whether it's no Lamar one knows or how no to Lamar. beat the Ravens better than, than Mike Tomlin. So right. I could see them being a little bit of a, a fly around an elephant's ass for a while, where everybody's like, oh, Steelers, they bought him out, didn't have a succession plan for Big Ben, which is BS because who has a succession plan for their franchise quarterbacks? Very few teams do. Right. Because- and sometimes when you do it like the Packers, it backfires completely. And now you've had this like three years of turmoil with your superstar quarterback leading all the way back to when you. You drafted Jordan Love in the first round, so like everybody's like, "Oh, they failed by it. not having a think succession." About it, think about Who it. has a succession? Think plan? about it. The I mean, yeah, they they did that with Rodgers, and it, expectations are so high, and yet you lose year after year after year. The Colts got lucky; they bought him now. They went one and fifteen. Yeah. Got Andrew Luck, had him for five years. Yeah, say goodbye, say goodbye to the sport. What succession plan did the did the Saints have for Drew Brees? None, zero. Taysom Hill. Zero. But I never hear a first take be like, there's no succession plan for Drew Brees. It's always like, well, Jameis Winston looks decent. Or, oh, Taysom Hill's done some things before in the past. What's the succession plan now for the Buccaneers? There's none. Zero. I hate that whole successions plan BS and the Steelers really failed by not having a clear path for after Ben. No one does when you have a quarterback of that standard. No one does. You just focus on that guy and that guy only and building around him. You don't once you draft the guy, you don't start to say you don't start to say to yourselves, okay, who's gonna be the next guy? No. Maybe you'll get lucky and you'll get a quarterback in the fifth round that you're just like taking a flyer on, and then after three years of working behind Ben, you're like, huh, he's got some zip on that thing now. He looks a lot better than before. Maybe you get lucky that way, but you don't actually go out and say, Oh, it's twenty seventeen, Ben's gonna retire in at least four years. Let's draft a quarterback now and get that plan rolling. It never happens that way. It's such BS. I hate I hate that narrative. That, that keeps being put forward when it comes to, oh, man, the Steelers, they're in a lot of trouble here. And then you also look at great running back, top five running back in the league already. Yep. Really good young tight end that I think can blossom into a top five tight end in the league. Hopefully the receivers can get the dropsies under control, but there's talent there. But guess what? I'm not worried the because— The defense is all world, especially if it gets healthy up front next year, where it was not this year. And then you can draft. You can also address it in the draft. Yes, a hundred percent. You can add to the defensive line. You're going to add to the offensive line. We For know sure. that. That's a fact. So, whew, I, I think that it's not as dark as people are making it out to be. And that's true, even if it ends up being week one kickoff and number two is your starting quarterback. I think sure. you can manage your way towards a good season with that. Is Look, that the best thing for the future? That's a whole different debate. Look at the San Francisco 49ers. Did they just make it to the NFC Championship game? Well, that guy might be coming here. And he it could, could prob- he could probably pull your hair out all the way to 10 and 7 or 11 and 6 maybe even. Like, it's going to be it's going to be agonizing. The worst 10 and 7 you, you've ever seen. You're going to be throwing your remote at the TV a lot, I'm sure, but it's no less or no more than you would be if Mason Rudolph is starting. But that's the I think that's the overall point. Is it's just like the team is not in dire Dead. straits. No. And there's no more of a sport that's team sport than the Football. NFL. Of course you need the quarterback to get over the hump. Look at the Niners. They're a quarterback away. Their team is amazing. And it got them to championship weekend, and they were up by 10 points late in the game in the second half with a chance to go to another Super Bowl, their second Super Bowl in three years. So obviously that quarterback is needed to get you over that hump, but you can also get far with a good team around them. And that's what the Niners had. Now, <laughs> The Steelers want to play like the Niners, and their defensive and offensive lines are nowhere near in the stratosphere that the Niners are. Mm. But other than those two spots, and trust me, those are tough spots to rebuild on the fly, 
what don't they do as good as the Niners? Obviously, Debo Samuel's a freak, but I think Chase Claypool can get not to that level, but to a kind of Debo Samuel light level performance. I'm sorry, what was Chase Claypool, his rookie year? He was Debo Basically Samuel. Basically, Debo Samuel. So he I, can get back there. Yeah, I think there's possibities for them to play like Niners, but they and need I think, a better trench game between the D and the offensive line because that's where the Niners really dominate. When you, when you can acknowledge that the fact that the conversation about the quarterback is a serious one, but it doesn't have to be priority number one. I think the the good thing about this year compared to last was are the Steelers going to take the risk and go after a running back in the first round or are they going to go offensive lineman? Well, we know what direction they went. And maybe you could say, that, well, the offensive line is still so bad, but I am I am ecstatic that number 22 is on this team. I, don't, I, I would not have wanted anyone else. After seeing him in his rookie year, I would not have wanted anyone. He's gonna get better. Else. Of course, he's he gonna is. get bigger. He's gonna get fat. Like he's gonna but, get better. But what I'm what I'm trying to say now is the 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 objective in this draft is clear as day. You go after the offensive line. You go after the defensive line, and maybe you just hammer it in the first three rounds, or at least in the first two rounds, and you just start to build that core back up again. And then, like you said, Tom, the pieces that are there, all over the football. All over the football side, both offensively and defensively. The receivers are there. Tight end is there. Great. You have some guys in the offensive line. Just build it up through the draft. Defensive side of the ball. Defensive player of the year, TJ Watt. The secondary, getting younger and not getting any worse. Right? We talked about how bad the rush defense is because of how unhealthy it is. The the pass defense was still a top 12 unit. I just saw an article from Chris Adamski from the Trib. Mm Mm-hmm. Trey Norwood might have had the best year of any Steelers seventh-round rookie ever. And that's not a great list to be at the top of, but it's still a list to be at the top of. And I th- Guess what? Trey Norwood didn't look like a seventh-round pick. Guess what? If my seventh-round pick is having the best year of any seventh-round pick— It's a good pick. It's a good pick. How many seventh-round picks—how many times did we say on this show when we were at training camp— we were making our 53-man predictions. Did we say, I just don't think Trey Norwood's going to make it? I or- cut Trey Norwood five times this offseason because <laughs> I wanted Quincy Roche. I was the, I was banging the table for Roche. Quincy Roche is not having a, didn't have a horrible rookie year in New York no, either. But the Steelers obviously didn't think he was going to cut the mustard here. But guess what? If you're, if you're ringing endorsements over your seventh-round pick, that that's not just a good pick. That is a low-key great pick because of the value and in in which you— Took him in the draft. Based on what we saw Norwood play this year, the workload, and a couple of the big plays he made, I, I tell you he's a third-round pick, you would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Right? Sure. Like, he played third-round, fourth-round pick, second-round pick minutes even, and made plays that a third or fourth round. I think he played more than third or fourth-round minutes. And the other thing that I think is going well for him and maybe making his adjustment to the NFL a little easier for being a seventh-round pick is he played at Oklahoma. I mean, the kid's been in the college football playoff. He's been in, in front of 100,000 people every he weekend. He played in a national championship game, didn't he? No, Oklahoma never made it to the Natty. Uh, but he was a game away from the sure. Natty. You know, he's got that he's got that month of hype train going up to the Final Four game. Like, he's been around it. Like, he knows how to play big-time football in front of a big-time crowd. And, you know, fans in Oklahoma get just as mad at the Sooners if they lose as fans in Pittsburgh do at the Steelers. There is no other team to root for in that state other than... 
that football team. How dare you disparage the, the Oklahoma Thunder. City Thunder like that? Right now. They're terrible right now. <laughs> Getting better, though. Watch out. That, yeah, sure. that player they have, that foreign that guy, player, he's good. That that basketballer. <laughs> he puts the hoops up there <laughs> the a lot, yeah. Um, but basically the whole point of this little opening to this episode is there's a lot of talent there and a lot of deep talent there, too. They just need to plug in some spots, mm. get deeper on the defensive line, build the offensive line up a little bit. I'd add a veteran in the backfield just to give Najee a couple extra blows here and there. Or maybe you think Penny Snell's going to be that guy, but, I mean, come on. Don't lie to us. Benny Snell's not the guy. Add some pieces to that linebacking room. Make it a little bit more surefire so if an injury happens, you're not absolutely left out to dry there. And and you've got yourself a pretty decent roster here. And Absolutely. I, I think... On paper, it's still one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. I agree It's just how that. much can that on-paper talent translate into on-the-field production? Yes. And that leads into the coaching now. And we look at what's the biggest hot-button topic and issue with the Steelers in this offseason? Quarterback, right? Because it's just the natural reflex of, of fans to say sure. quarterback. Sure. So we move into past that, and it's the coordinators. Those were the people that the Steelers decided that there needed to be some change at the position, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Butler decides to retire. Steelers, they probably came to a mutual agreement there. Steelers want some change. Butler at the end of his rope as far as the coach is concerned. Bingo, bango, bongo. Perfect timing. I'll just retire. Offensive coordinator. All signs seem to point like they're going to ride with Matt Canada. Now, as people have reminded me, I think Jerry reminded me and Bob Labriola reminded me that in the past, they have said, we are going to stick with this person, and then weeks later, it's we else. have decided to go to a different direction. It's a very fluid industry working in this NFL sure. because you don't know what name is going to be out there in a couple weeks that is a surprise that you might want to kick the tires on. So as of right now, it looks like it's going to be Matt Canada. And defensive coordinator-wise, I know they're interviewing uh, the guy from New York. Uh, they're doing their due diligence. But it seems like the writing's on the wall that it's going to be Terrell Austin, that he's going to take over. He's going to get his third chance to be a D.C. in the NFL, uh, once with Detroit and once with Cincinnati in the past. Didn't do particularly well there, but he didn't have defensive player of the year caliber players to work with. In yeah, not, not just either. one guy. Three of them. There's yeah. three deep boy caliber players that he's working with, and there's one at each level. So right. it's a completely different kind of animal for him. And that's led to a lot of people bang. I'm so sick of these eternal hires. All they do is hire eternally. <laughs> and I'm here to put on my myth-busting cap and go a little MythBusters on you. Okay, let's hear it. Loved that show. You want to be Adam or Jamie? I'm always Jamie. Okay, then I'm Adam. Is Adam the one with the earring and the fancy hat? No, I think Jamie. That's is. Jamie. I want to be Jamie. You're I, Adam. I just said it's I'm always Jamie. I already Jamie. called Jamie. A lot of people think, oh, the Steelers, it's just internal hire after internal hire after internal hire. And when you look at it, you know, Super close up, it looks like that. But if we zoom out and take the aerial view, Matt Canada wasn't a Pittsburgh Steeler two years ago. Terrell Austin wasn't a Pittsburgh Steeler two or three years ago. Isn't that hiring externally? It's not like Matt Canada was some number cruncher slash video scout that worked his way up the ladder, and now all of a sudden he's landed at quarterback coach, and now all of a sudden he's the mm -hmm. offensive coordinator. No, they brought him in from the outside to he be the wasn't quarterback coach. He was born as a Pittsburgh Steeler. He, <laughs> he, he, you know what I mean? Yeah, he didn't come out with a Pittsburgh Steeler onesie on. Like, he got brought in to be the quarterback's coach a couple years ago. Feekner leaves. 
he gets ascended to that offensive coordinator role because the ideas he probably brought in as the quarterback's coach were flying with Tomlin and some of the other offensive personnel. And then you get that elevation to offensive coordinator. Like, And, and something Steelers fans need to consider, too, is don't you understand that most of these guys have come from other teams and they've just, as you said, did their due diligence? And it's a good thing that the Steelers are keeping guys in the organization. It's not... It's not like you're looking at the Browns or the Jets where it's just it's it's a new regime entirely top to bottom every three years. A hundred percent. Kind of a good thing that the guys you brought in are sticking with the team because and they're, they're, they're the guys out. you want. Yeah, and they're and you're saying to yourself, wow, he is actually doing a pretty good job. I think we can give him a bigger role in this organization now. So mm-hmm. I think that's just a total BS myth where people are like, oh, they never hire externally. It's always internal hires. Yeah, that's true if you're looking at it simply just from the lens OCDC of this season. Or like, OCDC. But I'm saying, like, if you're looking at it from 2021 only, like, you have to know that these guys weren't on staff a couple years ago. Also, these are new players. These are new guys. Biggest case in point. I'm sorry, was Mike Tomlin on the coaching staff nope. in 2006? No, he was not. Before he got brought in as a head coach in 07? Exactly. So it's just, it it's, it's honestly dishonest to make those arguments because it's just not looking at the full picture. Mm-hmm. It's just not looking at the full scope of things. And honestly, who's to say that Canada isn't going to be a decent offensive coordinator in the NFL? I, I think... There were some things he did well last year, and then there were some also some things that he didn't do that well last year. I think having to work with a Hall of Fame quarterback, we probably underrated just how difficult that can be for him. Like, And I'm not putting it on Ben at all, but it's just you kind of have to know how to deal with someone of that kind of a talent level and kind of like have that give and take with them. Like Josh McDaniels all through New England didn't just go up to Brady and point his finger in his nose and say, you, 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 you. Like, there was a lot of give and take, and I'm sure in a lot of games, Brady was kind of coaching Daniels more and Mm -hmm. and saying, no, I'm seeing this out here. Like, we should go to these packages instead. Like, there's a lot of give and take, and I wonder if Canada had a little bit of trouble because all his life he's college. Mm -hmm. What's college coaching? You do this. You do that. You do this. The guys look to you for the direction. And you give it, and you do it like a dictator. That's not even close to the case in the NFL, even if you had Mason Rudolph as your quarterback. Not let, even let that. Let alone the Hall of Famer. Let alone Ben Roethlisberger, who just takes over the offense whenever he feels like so, it. Which I think he should have. So it's not and, – and maybe, in a way, when Ben decides to go cowboy and take over the offense, Canada takes that a little personally when you need to sit him down and say, buddy – this is the NFL, and that's Ben Roethlisberger. Like, this isn't college football anymore where your sophomore quarterback decides to go rogue and take over your offense. Like, then you have a problem. This guy's established. This guy knows what he's doing. Right. This like, guy's won two Super Bowls. So I wonder if their the reported friction that they had had a lot to do with Canada. Canada just is learning about this, first of all, and has never worked with a quarterback of that caliber, even remotely close. He's worked with no. quarterbacks of NFL caliber. Who was the quarterback at the time at Pitt? Peterman. So he made it to the NFL, but he's not Ben Roethlisberger. He's not Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. And I wonder if that was a tough learning curve that Canada could just never overcome. And on top of that, I think Canada was a little stubborn. You got to adapt towards your players. You can't have your players I adapt think towards Ben your was order. also stubborn too. I want Ben to be stubborn though. Oh, of course. I mean, Hall of Famer, six fourth quarter. I mean, no, this I'm going to defer to Ben's opinion over Canada. I mean, and how long situation. are we banging the table this year? Go no huddle more often. Let Ben have the keys. So yeah, of course. Ben knows his limitations more than Canada does, I think, and knows how to. But I bet, I bet Canada can 
say from his veteran perspective now he he can he can learn Mason's abilities or limitations maybe better than Mason can recognize him himself. I think that's a great point. And I think with a little bit more mobility too with Mason or whoever they decide to bring in, it's going to be more mobile. Maybe. I think you get a little bit more of an idea of what the full offensive Matt experience Canada. is going to look like. Now on the defensive side of the ball, I am pretty excited about Terrell Austin. I, I think that... Obviously, it's going to be a collaboration between him and Mike Tomlin. Uh, I don't think Mike Tomlin has any intention of really stepping back his no. role with the defense. So maybe especially more so now too, when you're bringing in a first time, first time for the Steelers DC rather than Butler, who was here for what seven years before he became the DC. I mean, he was and then he was coach. the DC yeah, for seven he, years. You want well. to talk about an internal hire? That was pretty. <laughs> he was like an eight-year coach here before he finally got the the defensive coordinator gig. But I think Tomlin and Austin are both going to have their hands on this defense, and it can go one of two ways. Either Austin is extremely good at playing well with others, and I would have to believe that that's the case if they do indeed end up hiring him, and Tomlin still has a lot of his role in the defense because. You can't bring in a guy that's going to get mad every time Tomlin either mm-hmm. vetoes something that he says or offers an opinion on something in a meeting. Like you, you can't have a guy in that spot that's going to be combative with the head coach. So if Tomlin is going to have input in the defense, and I believe he will and should, you got to have a guy that's willing to work with that. And I think that's what they see in Austin. He's been here for a couple of years now, so you know he's, he's able to, to work as a team well, take criticism or give it if he needs to. And I think that's exactly what's kind of being put into this decision. Yeah, they're interviewing other people as well, but they already know Austin and Tomlin can play well together, and they already know Austin's mm-hmm. done it at the NFL level before. Tomlin obviously has done it at the NFL level before. So I think they just look at it and say, this is a match that could really work, maybe even more so than Butler and Tomlin. Maybe more symbiotic than than Butler and Tomlin, yeah. yeah. I think I'm with you. I'm also interested to see how he does with caliber players like Watt and Hayward and Minka. I'm with you on I'm excited to see what he can do at his level, but I think I'm going to disagree with you and and okay. the, the point in saying I'm more excited to see what Matt Canada will do with the offense. With an offense when he's fully, fully taking the wheel with this one. I agree. I, I think that there's definitely parts of that that intrigue me, but I think if they're going to win next year, it's on the back of the defense again. So that's yeah. kind of yeah, 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 why yeah. I lean I get that. that. Okay, I get that. But in terms of person matching the, that side of the ball, I, I'm more excited to see what Matt Canada does with it. Because I think Tara Austin can just, you know, have his meetings with TJ and Cam and Minka and, and Tomlin. And it's just kind of we we're just gonna we're just gonna kick ass again this year. You think? I think so. We'll see. Time will tell. I'm also interested to see where they go with that quarterback position. I mean, I know we we have a lot more to talk about when it comes to that, and we will ramp that talk up more and more as we get towards deeper into the offseason. But mm. that is something that is out there looming large. And even if it's Mason and Haskins, I guarantee you they're going to bring in another guy. So it's not just – there's there's going to be a signing or a drafting made, um, whether that's a veteran like a Flacco kind of player to just kind of be there as like a stabilizing force to young players, or if they do indeed go out and draft a picket or – I saw yesterday at the Senior Bowl they were really infatuated with Malik Willis out of Liberty. Tomlin and Colbert both, both talked to him for a long time after practice. So, you know, whether they go draft, whether they go veteran free agent, whether they go free agent in his prime, 
there will be another quarterback signed. It's just a matter of where they kind of fall where into from, once they're signed. Yeah. You know, if it's that guy in his prime, he's the top of the depth chart. If he's a veteran, he's the third-string guy just kind of there stabilizing things, like Joe Flacco was for the Jets or the Eagles this mm. year. If you go into the draft, then it's that's, just that's all, then really it's all three guys are thrown yep. into a pot, and we yep. see who comes out first yep, to, to start the season. Is, that, there, is, there, is there a veteran guy out there? Like a Flacco, I don't want Flacco. I don't know that. Like, but is there someone in that level that would be brought in in here just as a veteran? I think it's Flacco. Like, I think he's still the one. Like Fitzpatrick is going to stay in ooh, Washington. Ooh, no, he's done in Washington. That's a good call. You, you know think, what happened? Do you, you think know? they're going with Heineke for the foreseeable future? I think they're going to draft. Uh, you know who? Your boy Pickett. I think Pickett could definitely land there, but I think they're going to take whoever's there. Mm. I also think with Fitzpatrick. What would happen is he would come in, he'd beat out Rudolph and Haskins, he'd get hurt in week three, yeah. and then he'd be out for the season. You go two and zero in his first two starts, and he looks great. And then he and gets then he breaks his leg out. or something. It's just the Fitzpatrick way. I hope he plays another year though. Regardless Fitz of magic, regardless of where he plays, unless it's for New England, Baltimore, Cleveland, I'll root for him. <laughs> Not ready to see him go or yet. Or Dallas. Not ready to see him go yet. He's probably only has, like, what, two more teams left? The Steelers being one of them until yeah. he plays for all 32 teams in the NFL? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the Steelers can add to that that legacy of I his. don't know if he's ever beaten the Steelers. He's a Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer. I know. He's not even close. But it's funny <laughs> to talk about that. Best journeyman ever. I, but I'd be interested to know, has he ever actually beaten the Steelers? Well, why don't you Google that at the, I will. Fine, I the will. episode here, and we'll talk about it later. Fine, I will. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. For Jacob Recht, I am Tom Offerman, and we'll talk to you next time.